Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a play. Sheik needs to be in perfect deals. The Eagle has landed for the Premiers in 2018. G'day everyone, welcome to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy Podcast for another week. I'm your host Honey Badger 35 Coming up on this week's episode, we'll review the Derby from Hell, chalk up a W for the Beagles, answer your questions throughout the show, and look ahead to the always eventful Port Adelaide matchup. Joining me this week, making his 2019 podcast debut, I must, I must say it's a uh, fairly anticipated debut as well, somehow a bit of a fan favourite, please welcome Oka. Hello Badge. How you doing? Yeah, I'm alright, how are you? I'm doing well. I feel like no one ever asks how you are. I'm doing well. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's a nice good. to be brought in. It's, uh, it's been a while since the listeners have heard from you. Certainly haven't been yeah. on this year. We've won a flag since that. Uh, yeah, that was good. How's it been since since everybody heard from you in, what, 2017 was the last time you did this? Uh, I assume so. I've, I've tried to erase most of it from the memory. Um, yeah, good. We won the flag. And who gives a shit about the rest? Very good, very good. Uh, also joining us this week, he's the only footy fan whose least favourite hungry tiger isn't Dustin Martin at a Chinese restaurant. Please welcome back Miguel Sanchez. How are you? Badum tish. I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very good. Um, it's been a bit of an unproductive day. I was working on that all day, just sort of playing around with it and how to best get the one-liners out of the way early. But uh, other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm well, Miguel. We might as well dive straight into the derby. We've only got a few things to cover this week, but the derby's always a big one. What a shocking game, Oka. What, what did you make of all of that? Uh, yeah, it was shit ass. Um, thought, you know, probably 20 minutes in that it was going to be fun, even though we weren't playing well. And I was not right. Um, yeah, it sucked. We won. We played like shit. Uh, there was a couple of moments we could laugh at Fremantle, but yeah, it was, it was bad. Uh, so let's go on to the waffle. Very good. Look, needlessly close in the end, uh, 10-9-69. Nice. Defeated Frio, 7-14-56. I was going to say that this year the podcast has been a lot more highbrow than when I used to host it, so I'm really glad that within seconds of me being on, you've already descended back into what it was. Yeah, mate, you've got to uh, rise and fall. As we've seen with the Eagles, you can play up to your competition, or in this case, you can play all the way down. So welcome back. Uh, Miguel, Oka just touched on it then. We did get away to a fairly good start from a scoreboard perspective. Five goals, one to five behinds at quarter time. Uh, and from there, it devolved into one of the worst games of football I've ever had the misfortune of seeing live. What was your take on, on all of the weekend's events? Yeah, largely that. Um, I think, like Oka, has dragged us down to his level um, tonight. I think the Dockers probably dragged us down to their level a bit. Um, but, and I think we'll get to this, the the, the common theme in our two really bad games this year has been the the slick conditions and the the effect that that's had on our ball winning and ball movement. Because, um, yeah, it was just in the first 20 minutes, we I think the scoreboard flattered us because every time we got it forward, we managed to kick a goal, whereas every time the Dockers went forward, they managed to stuff it up. And you sort of thought that you know, we'd get that lead on the, 
well, I thought anyway, we'll get that lead on the board and we'll settle and you know, get into our normal game. Uh, and, and that never really happened. So, yeah, it was just yeah, fumbly and terrible disposal and, yeah, really ugly game and tempted to just you know, bank the four points and move on. But you know, there's a bigger issue, which is you know, when, uh, whether we can play if you know, it's not ideal weather conditions and footy conditions. Yeah, look, you said we'd get onto it later, and we certainly will, what with the forecast being how it is for the Port game, but we might as well have a look at it now. Personally, I thought it was going to play out a little bit more like the JLT game we saw this year, where Frio did their usual shocking scrag the footy, pile on the footy, lots of numbers at the ball thing, and then eventually they tire and we break it open in the third quarter. As we saw last season, I suppose JLT is not always the best reflection of what you're going to get in the regular season, because they never really tired, or we never made them pay when they did. And now the bigger issue coming out of it, like you've said, is is can the Eagles deliver uh, when the conditions aren't ideal and certainly when it's slick and when it's a little bit wet? Oka, do you have a long-term concern that that's actually something legitimate that's going to plague us this season? We've seen it in Brisbane and now we've seen it again on the weekend. Uh, not really, no. Even with the high usage and the you know, obviously the short kick mark style, even in that first quarter when it was flying, we saw it come unstuck a little bit. Do you think these guys are good enough to, to get through it? Yeah, I mean, it rained on grand final day, and, and that worked out pretty well for us. Um, yeah, obviously, it's it's a game style that you'd prefer it to be dry. I think also with our abundance of tools, we're suited to dry weather. But, you know, I, I don't think the wet weather was... Yeah, I don't think that's why we couldn't get the kicking game going. Yeah, there were some fumbles early, but I didn't think they stayed throughout the match. And, um, you know, I thought just Freo crowded us pretty well. And I think it's, you know, there's been a lot of times now where... If a team, especially when we have possession, just kind of crowd probably 30, 40 metres away from the ball, we seem to struggle. And I think it's a lot more that than it was the weather. Miguel, you brought it up, so I'm sure you've got some thoughts on it with the weather. Is this something that you think needs addressing quickly or it's potentially just one of those blips on the radar? I know Ross Lyon obviously has his game style and we even saw it last year in the first derby where it was quite close because they did crowd the footy a fair amount. Yeah, I was like you. I thought... The way that they were attacking us and crowding us, I thought they'd run out of gas in the in the second half, and we'd then sort of you know, put five or six quick goals on them and, and end the game as a contest. Uh, and that never happened, and they were picking us back right till the very end. So I don't know whether they can do that, you know, whether that'll work for them in the next derby. Um, you know, when it's you know, they've been playing sixteen rounds of footy and uh, and they've, they've suffered injuries and they're completely gassed. I don't know, but yeah, it's. It's a worrying trend um, just on the back of the Brisbane game, which uh, otherwise I think we were all pretty happy to sort of to call a blip and move on. Um, so, yeah, the, the next time that we have a wet weather game, if it is this Friday, um, will definitely be something to look for. And if, yeah, if, it, if it comes up again, then I'd be seriously concerned. But at this stage, I think, yeah, just something to look at and, um, and put a pin in. We should certainly have our answer by the end of this week of footy. Uh, as I mentioned, the forecast is pretty shocking, and we'll get to that towards the end. But a little bit, I suppose, housekeeping in a way. Right before the game, we found out that Lewis Jetta was being withdrawn as a late out. Uh, Josh Rotham held over from the waffle, and he played after playing against Collingwood. We all thought he'd played quite well. I think we can agree last week. And then again in the Derby, Oka, how did you see his game on the weekend? Uh, yeah, it's probably pretty similar to the Collingwood game. I don't think he does anything. You know, he's got no outstanding attributes but he's also nothing he really does poorly 
Um, and I think in a defender, you know, we've probably got a few defenders that have made a career out of that. Uh, so I was pretty impressed with him. He looks pretty confident for a young guy. There was one passage of play where he took it up the wing and just sort of kept paddling it, keeping it in front of him, all of that. Miguel, obviously Rotham, as I said, was held over from the waffle while Schofield played. Schofield's got a lot, a lot of runs on the board, especially in the grand final last season. But do you think Rotham is now has now surpassed Will Schofield as our as our next choice backman if, if we need a break glass in case of emergency bloke? I think it depends. Um, you know, at the moment, yes, um, but it's it's early in the season. You know, if it was you know a, a critical round twenty two game or if it's a, a qualifying final and you know, we needed to replace a defender with um, with one of the two, whether we you know, whether we'd go for Rotham and he's truly surpassed Schofield, or whether we'd you know, go for the experienced head. Um, I'm not sure. I think I think it would be the latter. Um, I think uh, he. I've loved Rotham. He sort of he fell into the the spot a bit because Schofield got crook last week. Did really well. Did well enough to hold his spot. Uh, well, actually, he did well enough that he should have held his spot. Um, he ended up coming back in when Jeddah went out. But yeah, I don't. I think if 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 it was crunch time, I think the club would still go with with Schofield. Okay, your thoughts on Rotham versus Scoey going forward? Um, yeah, I think it also depends on who they're replacing. If um, you know, if, if McGovern or Barras are out, I think Schofield's clearly the option. But I think I think Shep's probably fifty-fifty as to who you'd take, and then anyone else. I think Rotham would have the uh, the nod. But you know, it's it's a good problem to have. Obviously, you know, Frankie Watson. I think who's the other one? Jackson Nelson, although he apparently doesn't play black uh, back these days. Um, sorry, that's Freudian. Uh, and <laughs> welcome back to the show, Oka. Thanks for coming along. Yeah, very good, very good. Yeah, I should have brought pants back with me. Just uh, pants, Kyle. That is. Yeah, old listeners of the show will remember pants, Kyle. New listeners of the show are just picturing you sitting there with a shirt on, just sort of you know Donald ducking it. Uh, while you touched, you, you touched on Shep then, and, and indeed the rest of the backline. Another phenomenal showing from them, even though it was sleek and, and Frio did pile up some pressure late. Obviously, Shannon Hearns come away with the medal. Uh, for the third time in the last four derbies, I believe. At the ground, I thought Shep was one of, if not the best on ground. Tom Barras just stays doing what he does best. So, Miguel, every week it seems like we you know, run out of things to say about the back line, but give it a crack this week. You got anything more positive to say about what should be the best back line in football? I thought Shep, yeah, I was with you. I thought Shep should have won the medal. Um, Glenn Jakovic agreed. None of the other voters did. And the two coaches didn't give him any votes, but I thought he was our best on. Um, yeah, Hearn had a very good game. Basically, I haven't been doing votes this year, but all of my votes, if I'd been, um, all of our best players, I think, came from the back line. There wasn't too much to like about the midfield and the forward line. Um, Gaff got a lot of it, but his disposal was um, pretty iffy at times. Um, Redden picked up a bit. Um, sorry, you asked me to talk about the back line, and I've now moved on. <laughs> Redden and Yo uh, sort of picked up a bit. They've had quiet starts to the season. Um, she seemed to be pretty quiet. Uh, I'm not going to mention the other wingman. Uh, and, um, yeah, yeah um, the back line is um, really sort of holding us together. Even in the wins, you know, we've started slowly and um, they've been able to stem the tide a bit and make sure that the other side's dominance isn't reflected on the scoreboard. So, yeah, they've been, I, I think, easily our best unit this year. Moving up the ground a little bit, you, you just touched on Redden then. Uh, 
watching at the ground, I was surprised to see that he came away with all the touches he did, and indeed he got some votes. Uh, he, did he get some official votes in the medal? I think he did. He certainly got a lot of votes on our board. Now, I'm not going to be watching the replay of that one, so I'll never subject myself to that again. But uh, hats off to Redden. I didn't actually notice him in and under too much at the ground, unfortunately. But Gaff was obviously another big one. Okra, a lot was made of the week and the match and all the build-up about Andrew Gaff especially. Your take on, on his game and also your take on the crowd reception of, of Gaffy coming back home. Oh, was that? I didn't notice that. Uh, that's a joke. Good one. Um, yeah, it... It, it was always going to be there. And I don't know, none of the reception surprised me, and I'm surprised it surprised anyone. Uh, it was pretty surprising. <laughs> it's good to be back. Surprised uh, Mrs. Pavlich, apparently. Yeah, well, yeah. All right, good. That's enough. Thank yeah. you. Okay, keep going. <laughs> oh, I wasn't thinking about it that way, but you have, a, you have a filthy mind badge. I'm just glad I'm here to bring out the worst in you. Uh, yeah, I thought he played fine. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it was a very Andrew Gaff game. You know, he's come back, I think, pretty close to his 2018 form, which was a worry for a lot of people. Um, and the crowd cheered him and the Freo fans booed him. I think it was lucky for us that there was probably less Freo fans there than I've ever seen at a derby. So the booing was pretty quiet. But I think the reverse later in the year will be interesting. I think there'll be a bit more booing. I think that's probably a pretty safe bet. Five years just collapsed with shock. Oh, hey, it's pretty pretty surprising. Look, as I've touched on a couple of times now, we all agree, it was a pretty shocking game. Uh, I don't think the talking points out of it, we have enough evidence to support one way or the other in terms of you know wet weather footy or if this is a blip on the radar or that sort of stuff. What I will say from having a look around the league this year is that it seems like the sort of season where anything could happen on a game-to-game, week-to-week basis. You only have to look at the latter to find that out. Fiver, you touched on this a second ago, but is this one of the seasons where you've just got to get the win, okay, no injuries from the looks of things, just tick it off? I know it wasn't super attractive or impressive, but get the win and, and just move on. Is it that sort of season? It's I, think, I know you asked Fiver, but I'm going to answer this one. I think any season in round four, that's kind of what you need. You know, your form now is not going to be your form going into finals. So all you kind of want is to, you know, you saw last year, we kind of banked a lot of wins early and then, even when our form dropped away late, we were, you know, we had enough in the bank to finish top two and we won the flag. So I guess, you know, if we keep winning, we're going to win the flag. I haven't seen any um, any stat for this, but this must be, this is the earliest I can remember getting into a season with no undefeated teams. I think if, if Carlton had beaten Gold Coast, then it would have been the first time in 22 years no team had, you know, every team had lost and every team had won in the first four rounds. Yeah, so I think, I think this is possibly the earliest without a perfect team, and it's certainly, yeah, one of the latest without having a winless team. And also, who, who gives a shit about Carlton? Just push them out to sea and move on. No, I disagree. I very much enjoyed that game. Oh, phenomenal game, but... But you don't have that game without Carlton. Well... It's, uh, it's how football works, Badge. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to figure this out. Can you explain that to me just a little quicker? Sure. So, Gold Coast are a football team? Right. And Carlton are a football well, well, team. Well, slow down, Egghead. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you are our very own Ross Lyon. Miguel, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So one of those seasons, just bank the wins and move on? I think so, yeah, especially at this time of the year. Um, we've shown you know, the, the two weeks before that, um, we've shown that we, we can sort of find our premiership winning form. So, yeah, I, I think weeks, we're going to have down weeks. So weeks where we 
we don't find that form and we still get four points are a bit of a bonus. Well, look, we'll come back to the Eagles in just a moment when we get around to the Port Adelaide game. But as was touched on a little bit earlier by the great man Oka, it is time to move on to the waffle. Uh, and the Beagles chalked up their first ever victory in proper Waffle League play. So 11-11-77, they defeated Peel 6-14-50. Uh, sort of the contagious Fremantle kicking came down to Peel. Both scored 14 behinds. And it was an interesting game. It was a pretty scrappy, sort of rugged game where people were slipping over all the time. Got a clue into the into the conditions earlier on in the day. Uh, Miguel, we'll start with you. What, did you. what was your takeaway out of that one? And did anybody jump off the page at you? Uh, well, obviously, Waterman jumped off the page with his uh, second straight five-goal haul. Apart from him, uh, there were some there were a lot better performances than the week before. Um, Matty Allen um, stuck his hand up. He hadn't played uh, the previous week. He'd been held over. So, yeah, he looked quite good running through the midfield, and he'd be one that you know would be pressing uh, to join if a spot opens up. Uh, Archie and Nelson... Both got a lot of the ball, but weren't particularly uh, inspiring with their touches a lot of the time. Um, Archie seemed to get a lot late. Nelson actually sort of um, became a tagger in the second half and went on to uh, Mitch Croden, who'd been basically playing the Andrew Gaff role for the first half appeal. Um, he seemed to do pretty well in that. He kept him quiet, so maybe he's sort of next cab off the rank if anything happens to Hutchings. Uh, other than that, uh, uh, Harry Edwards looks really good yeah. um, as a as a fullback. Uh, Schofield seemed to find the form that uh, last week he was pretty poor, so he played well. Uh, who else? I'm trying to think who else. Edwards was probably the exciting one in in bringing that up. A lot of good intercept marks from him. Probably the other big talking points out of the game are Venables is obviously the one we watch when it pretty pretty closely when he goes back to the waffle and another pretty disappointing game from him he seemed to split time in the middle and I'm not even sure if he's on a minutes restriction or he's just being used incorrectly but he didn't he wasn't even in frame half of the time let alone getting the footy so just the 10 touches for him Archie you touched on yeah he's he's miles off the side Oker I know you and I both decently high on him last season uh in terms of an interesting pinch hitting ruck option and Coming into the side last year, he actually looked all right, but his waffle game was was pretty poor despite the 24 touches on the on the stat page. Yeah, I, I didn't see any of the games, so sure. Um, one thing I would bring up with the waffle is that Claire went on top of the ladder, um, so it's not really relevant. Just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, there's not one person on earth that cares about that. Uh, Miguel Brooksby was pretty solidly beaten, I thought, in the ruck by Darcy, so he looks. You know, not not as close perhaps as we once thought. Obviously, in the waffle preseason, we thought he was a real chance. Haven't seen any mention of this afterwards, but he seemed to get injured in the fourth quarter. Um, so I don't know. I haven't seen any training reports from today to see whether he trained or not. But you know, that's a bit of a worry because um, Hickey, apart from his game at, um, against GWS and Vardy, they're not setting the world on fire really at the moment. They're probably doing their job, but it would be nice to have Brooksby sort of putting some pressure on, but. Yeah, he's had two, once the actual waffle proper has started, he's had two quiet games and is now possibly injured. So, yeah, that's that's a bit disappointing. Um, Fraser McInnes, I don't think we've touched on and um, probably isn't going to get selected for AFL, uh, as we've spoken about previously, but he's shown some great forms as a centre-half forward. 
Yeah, uh, another one, Mutimer, seemed to grab at his hammies in the fourth quarter, but he returned after that. So, again, no injury reports yet, but should be all good. Obviously not going to make too much of an impact uh, going forward, though, long term. And I guess the last one of, of note would be Jared Brander on the wing. Again, pretty pretty much invisible. Uh, he racked up some touches. You saw him here and there get some nice... You know, some nice ball use, but apart from a Joe the Goose goal over the top, he was pretty quiet as well. So nobody's really banging the door down in the waffle, the big exception being Waterman and also to a degree Matt Allen. Uh, and we will touch on that when we get to the Port Adelaide changes. Just on the waffle, they do play again this week. Uh, they play against Subiaco at Leadable Oval on Good Friday. Uh, you've got plenty of time to get down and see that one before the Eagles-Port Adelaide game starts as well. It's at one fifteen. so if you do have the opportunity to get along and you want a live look at the boys, it's right there for you. Being the Good Friday game, it might also be on Channel 7, is it? I don't want to turn people away from the gate, but... I would think that at some point they're going to have to stop showing us, right? I know it's <laughs> in the league afloat, but... Yeah, well, you know, Channel 7's got the broadcast rights and their Channel Eagle, so basically just show all our games, won't they? Just, sorry, before we move away from the waffle, the other two I thought could be a chance of um, getting called up Josh Smith doesn't sort of do anything eye-catching, but just he, he is probably perfectly made for that Maston role of just, you know, running up and down the wing and getting 20-odd touches. Settle down. Sorry. So he, uh, I mean, he's he's one who he has shown uh, in one game already this year that he can just come in and do a job. Uh, and, you know, he, he didn't do anything wrong on uh, when did they play Saturday. Um, so he's one. And uh, Jared Cameron, I thought, showed some glimpses. Uh, he's probably not ready yet, but... Yeah, um, with Rioli out for a little while still, he's potentially one who could come in and, and do a role in the forward line and uh, did get a bit of a taste of it in the JLT and didn't look out of place. So um, he, had, he was fairly quiet, but um, did do some eye-catching things. He had one sort of good run down the wing. The, uh, the waffle is not on TV this week. There you go. Leadable Oval. Leadable Oval, be there or be square. Okay, well, as I say, look, we seem to be burning through it, but there, we don't have an injury update. There's not been a lot of off-field news uh, so far. I think the, the main talking point this week is going to be the changes, and certainly the weather is going to impact those a lot. So we've got Port Adelaide coming up. It's the Good Friday match, night game at Optus, which we the atmosphere was great on the weekend, even if the footy wasn't. So uh, a really good opportunity to test what we've learned from a couple of scrappy, wet games. Oka. Forecast says 90% chance of rain in the morning, and then hopefully it'll dry off a little bit later, but it's going to be slick. So what are you predicting from a team change standpoint? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. Obviously, we just do not like to move away from you know, having two rocks, and I, I just don't know what you know what the strategy would be if we if we do go away from it. I don't know if Vardy or Hickey are up to you know, rocking one out. It's been something I thought we should have done, you know, late last year, to be honest, but we never did. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I don't think we will again. I still think we'll go in with two rocks. And, yeah, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's no changes, to be honest. Jed will come back if he's fit. It's looking that way. He's uh, apparently training quite well, so I would suggest that Jed will be coming back in. I think, yeah, he's, he's one of those players, though. I think I'd never, you know, I don't believe it when he's out there. I think he's getting on. He seems to have a lot of soft tissue injuries, so um, I, I wouldn't put it guaranteed. But, yeah, if he's back, bring him in probably for Tosh, but I think Rotham would be the one to come out. And, yeah, 
I, I wouldn't be against them making another change, but I don't think they will. Yeah, I'd be. It's interesting you say that about the the two ruck system. If they don't make the change and go with one ruck this week, they never will. And in fact, we're probably already at that point. I think similar games to this would have happened last season. You know, where we'd go in thinking, well, if they go with two rucks, that's it for life. And I think that is the way that they like it. So I guess my personal change would be Jeddah in for one of the ruckmen. I I think Vardy, but I'm not too fussed which. But what I actually think will happen will yes be Jeddah for Rotham, uh, Miguel. Do you think there's any chance that they go in with two rucks? Because if not, it's very hard to see where that Jetta change is going to come from other than Rotham, I think. I think they'll, yeah, I think I said in the changes thread that maybe Vardy comes out and they ruck Allen. Um, but having thought about that a bit more, I don't think that'll happen, um, particularly given Port have two really good ruckmen in um, Lysette and Ryder. And I don't think they'll be changing that lineup with the conditions. So um, yeah, it would be a big ask to have. Uh, Oscar Allen go in there and, and try and ruck against one of those guys. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, Jeddah for Rotham's the obvious one. Um, unfortunate for Rotham because he hasn't put a foot wrong yet, but uh, he's probably last in, first out. It's difficult to see another defender that would come out of the um, of the back seven for him. Jeddah, you know, he, he, he'll be a really important player in wet weather footy because he's... Um, his handling and his disposal is just so clean and you know, won't be affected by the, the slick conditions. So I think we missed him on the weekend. Possible other change, if they want to maybe go in a bit smaller in the forward line than um, Oscar Allen. I don't know. I don't think they'll drop him. I think he's too important for that. But he might have you know, one of those cases of general soreness that um, means he gets get a week. He gets a week off. I don't know who would replace him. Maybe Josh Smith. I'd, I wouldn't mind seeing Cameron come in, actually. I think it would be a game that would be tailor-made for him, but that probably won't happen. Um, Matty Allen's the other one knocking down the door, but seems a little pointless to you know, drop a tall, to drop Allen and replace him with Matty Allen when they're both about the same size, even though Mellon's been playing as a, a midfielder. So um, Jennifer Rotham, and then maybe you'd see another change. But no, I think... Uh, Vardy's been particularly quiet this year, but I think he'll still play. And yeah, won't be able, uh, might be one other change depending on conditions, but probably not. I think the thing with the Vardy Hickey decision is Hickey is just so immobile. So even though yeah, you're right, he's he's been better than Vardy this year, or certainly Vardy's been a little bit quiet this season. I think if you had to go in with one ruck in the wet. You've either got to have faith that Hickey can do it the length of the match and still have a bit of impact around the field. But in the wet, Jesus, I wouldn't be backing him in to move around too much. It's it's not his strength, nor should it be. It's not a knock on him. You know, we knew what we were getting, but you still got to play him correctly. The interesting one with the Ryder and the Lysette matchup. Ryder's been very down this year. Obviously, he had some surgery in the in the off season, very close to the to the start of the season. Really, he's been quite poor this season. Lysette set the world on fire when he first joined Port Adelaide, but then uh, his last couple of weeks have been. A bit iffy as well. Oka, we've seen Scott Lysette play uh, in in blue and gold for several years. Do you have any recollection specifically of him in wet matches, and what are you expecting to get out of him this year? Or this week, I should say. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I can't remember the last what, like, properly wet match we played. Uh, I'm trying to think about specifically wet, but also just poor conditions. I'm thinking... I don't specifically remember him or indeed anybody having a good game against North Melbourne last season. 
we obviously had a couple of little slick night games towards the year, but none of them seem to be as wet yeah. as we've had this year. So I don't know. The lasting image for Lysette for me will always just be him fresh airing that goal. Yeah. <laughs> was it against my, Essendon? Who was that? My first thought was, yeah, it was. My first thought was, was that game wet? But I don't think it was. I don't think it was. No, I agree. Um, I think he is, you know, Ruckman aren't suited to the wet, but I think if any Ruckman was, I think he's one that might actually, you know, play well in the wet. Um, I, I'll be honest, I've barely seen a second of Port this year, so I can't comment on his or uh, Ryder's form. But I think one of the interesting uh, questions with Lysette, and Gaff was asked about it today, was the reception he'll get. Surely he'll get a positive reception, would he not? What basis? Was, was, was that Basil that asked that? He seems to be the one who's asking these questions just to generate. I think I don't think it's unfathomable that there'll be some booze. Really? I, I'm not. I'm not overly against it. You know, it's the it's the theatre of footy badge. No, no. You know that there are very few people on earth who like a boo as much as I do. When Josh Kennedy kicked the sealer on the weekend, I got up out of my chair and called uh, Fremantle some very unsavoury things and let out a few very good boos at the various umpiring decisions. Like, I'm, I'll make a show of it at the footy. But Scott Lysette, I mean, he did his time with the Eagles. He was a pretty solid foot soldier. He had his ups and he had a couple of downs. But all in all, people will remember the premiership, they'll remember the hilarious fresh air kick, and they'll remember the up-the-bloody-coasters Port Adelaide incident. I don't think, Miguel, that there's any reason to be booing Scott Lysette, is there? That's not going to happen. Oh, I know there's a lot of idiots around. Um, no, I wouldn't be advocating booing him at all. Um, yeah, I did love booing Judd back in 2008, 2009, when he, uh, premiership winner and premiership captain, but he sort of left for the money. Um, Lysette's left for the money, but you know, very different on very different standing to to Judd. Um, he's gone back to his home club, you know, basically given an offer he couldn't refuse. Um, yeah, he's been, he was a loyal foot soldier for eight years. He did a lot of time in the, the waffle when he was stuck behind um, Cox and Nat Nui, and then he was battling with Sinclair for a spot, helped us to a premiership, um, gave us some memorable moments, and yeah, happy to wish him well at Port, so I wouldn't be booing him. I wouldn't be surprised if there's you know, maybe pockets of the crowd that do, or the odd idiot here and there that do, but I don't think it'll be a... Um, a widespread thing. Okay. Sorry, I, I just got me? the video of, of I just got the video off of him fresh airing it on the goal line. It's it's still funny. I mean, it wasn't funny. Yeah, you say still. It was not funny at the time. But... No, it wasn't. But it's it's very funny. Hang on, the video's just started again. Give me twenty three seconds. <laughs> Jesus. Um, Here we go. Yep. Are there any sound effects for it? Can you, uh, can you commentate for us? Like. Australia's oh, Funniest Home Videos-style um, sound effects. Okay, hang on. okay, I'll start it again. Start the video again and just give us your best commentary, all right? Here we go. Okay, it's blurry, so I can't see who kicked that out. Shuey gets it, handles to Gaff, snaps on goal, someone touches it, and... Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, so, this room, so I was in the airport, right, after the grand final. Sorry, can I just say very quickly, I, I felt like I was right there. That was phenomenal. Yeah. That was amazing commentary. Well done. Yeah, yeah, piss off. Um, I think I've told you the story, Badge. So day after the grand final, I'm in the Melbourne airport waiting for my flight, and uh, the TV in the gate is showing the grand final. And so there's just 50 Eagles fans gathered around the TV, and, yeah, everyone's in a good mood. Everyone's watching it. Uh, and it gets to the darling drop mark. And just as he drops it, instinctively, every Eagles fan there, despite the fact that we won the flag less than 24 hours previously, has just gone, oh, 
And it's just one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah, I still get very nervous watching that drop mark. Oh, it's it's hilarious. It's so uncomfortable. Anyway, look, we've moved a little bit away from Scott Lysette, but we will move on to another loyal, loyal foot soldier. His, his miss is also in the grand final. That may be my... That was great play by Darling, actually, in the grand final to set him up. It's that set play to drop it probably 20 metres out. Lysette runs out, marks it. We had all the momentum, and he just shanks a set shot. Fivey, what's your best memory of Lysette stuffing up? <laughs> No, it'd be between those two. I think I can't think of a third one. I will say I did lurk on the Port Adelaide board after the grand final, and that moment when he took the mark was the most 100-0 to zero moment for their board because they were like, yes, we got this star coming. We know he's coming. He's great. Look at this. And then they were all just absolutely shat themselves when he missed the, missed the set shot follow-up. Uh, full Carlton. Yes, exactly right. Look, moving on from Scott Lysette from one loyal foot soldier to another, and indeed a current loyal foot soldier, it is Mark Hutchings' 100th game this week. And it's probably a position that many didn't see him getting. He was always in this fringe midfield, half forward, not really having a specific role slot. Miguel, he's turned into, if not one, if not one of the best, certainly the best. Oh, I said that the wrong way around, but I stand by it. He is the best tagger in the AFL. Uh, did you see this coming? And, and give us some of your best Mark Hutchings moments. No, I wouldn't have seen it coming. Um, he, I think this year was probably about the second time in his six or seven year career that he's been in the team in round one. Um, seems like every year he sort of, he started it in the waffle and just basically forced his way in and then um, remained in the side for the rest of the year. Uh, he's yeah, just sort of no nonsense, gets in, does his job. Um, really admire him as a tagger because he doesn't seem to go, the only time I can remember him sort of, really getting involved in niggle was with um, Jason Johannesson. But yeah, otherwise, he just sort of he seems to be really unobtrusive and just somehow managed to shut down his opponent. Um, did a few really good jobs on steel side bottom last year, including the grand final, obviously. Yeah, he's been really valuable for that. He's fairly dependable with the ball when he does get it. Um, doesn't get a heap of it, but that's not his job and can go forward and sneak a goal. So, yeah, he's done really well. He's one of those guys that I think's got the most out of his ability. And, yeah, 100, 100 games is a uh, very deserved accolade along with his uh, premiership last year. OK, a couple of your favourite Mark Hutchings moments, and also I know you mentioned you have barely watched Port Adelaide play, so I'll put you on the spot. Who does he go to this week? Uh, he would definitely go to... I don't know, is Rockcliffe playing in the middle this year? Yeah, it's definitely... He's in good form, apparently. Rockcliffe is the answer to that question. Yeah. 44 uh, touches, 37 touches, 15, but then he was off concussed, I think, and then 37 again last week. It's Rockcliffe. Does Rock... is uh, Rockcliffe gets a lot of it, but does he have any hurt factor? Is tagging Rockcliffe a bit like tagging Pritis? Like, no one ever bothered to do it because it didn't sort of make any difference whether or not you did? Well, who else Isn't do you tag? every port midfielder, though? Boak... I mean, Gray, you can't really tag if he spends the time up forward, but Boke's been decent. Ebert's been weirdly decent, but, like, God help the day that we tag Brad Ebert. It's <laughs> never going to happen. I think it's between he or Boke. I wouldn't have thought you could go to anybody else. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry, Oka, do you have any particular standout moments for from Hutchie? I do. So, immediately after we won the grand final, I obviously spent a lot of time stalking the players' Instagrams. And on just about every photo that a player would post, Hutch would leave some dumb comment like, we won the flag or something like that. And just any time you went to an Eagles player Instagram and saw a photo, there would 
one of the top comments would just be Hutching saying something dumb but really funny at the same time. And I'll be honest, that's that's my favourite Mark Hutchings moment. I'm looking for one now and just cannot find one just to help. No, that's a pretty good one. Oh, sorry, you're looking for a comment now to prove one. Yeah, just as an example, and I cannot for the life of me find one. Um, But just believe it and, uh, you know, proof's overrated. Very good. Miguel, with Mark Hutchings, he's probably one of the best embodiments of Simo's new role-driven, you know, you've got, to, you've got to play your role. Everybody might not get the opportunity that they want, but they're going to get an opportunity. Like, do you think he's probably the best example we've had under Simo of somebody who's just bought in entirely to the system? Yes, I do, Ken. Yeah, he's um, yeah, real, um, yeah, real team man. I think he won Best Clubman last year, no, the year before, I think. Um, so obviously quite a popular team man. Yeah, he's uh, he's found a role for himself in the 22 as as that tagger. Probably does play to his strengths a bit. He's you know, he's just a workhorse. He's not the most talented guy out there, but yeah, can be relied on to, to do a job and do it well. So yes, short answer to your question. Here we go. 30th September 2018. Chris Marston posts a photo of him hugging his wife and kid after the grand final. He says 2018. What a year. And first comment, Hutch, we won the premiership, by the way, XX. <laughs> Great stuff as always, Hutchy. You find about 100 of those from him, and it's it was just one of my highlights, just seeing them all. One of the true great men of the Eagles. He obviously okay. had a, a good couple of days, big couple of days. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, we won the premiership, by the way, XX. XX. Look, having a look at, at Port Adelaide uh, last week as well, they had, it was on the way to our game. Uh, that that fourth quarter took place, and they had a very, very frustrating loss to Richmond. They definitely should have won. They missed a couple of really easy goal opportunities at the end to take the lead, and then at the very, very end, Richmond slingshot it down uh, to their forward line for a goal. But news out of afl.com.au, Oker, I know you and I have spent some time chatting about this. Dylan Grimes is now the best defender in football. So that leads me to ask you this. If Port Adelaide forward line can make Dylan Grimes look like the best defender in footy, how big of a day is Jeremy McGovern going to have this week? And what was the name of the guy who wrote that? Oh, I don't know. Some jerk. Who's to say? Okay, just check. Uh, Dylan Grimes is a pretty good footballer. I don't think that's... Yeah, I know. I know he's a good footballer. And I also know that he plays for a massive uh, Victorian club. Who knew? Is he now embodied with the spirit of Alex Rance? Is that your point? Did you see the article, Miguel? No, I haven't. No. You say article, it was one of those, like, one thing we learned from every game, and it's a paragraph. Yeah, and it was the lead. Was it? Cool. Is Dylan Grimes more important to Richmond than Alex Rance, is the is the tweet. Point number one, Dylan Grimes is the best one-on-one defender in the competition. Anyway, without derailing this into an Alex Rance thing, Oka, what do you expect out of, out of Gov, out of TB, out of all of these guys against a sort of small but still fairly dangerous Port Adelaide forward line? God, who's in that forward line? Gray is a superstar, and he always worries me. I think Shep's a good matchup for him, but I also think no one's a good matchup for him because he's a very good player. And if he played for a club like Richmond, he'd be rated even higher. Very good point. Uh, no, no, shut up. <laughs> uh, sorry, let's see who else. I got the team here. Yeah, that is. So from the team last week, Brad Ebert was named at centre half forward. Uh, yeah, that is. They've got all the kids in the forward line. I don't know who any of these kids are. Is it Rosie? What's that kid's name? He was he's been decent. Yeah, Adam Rosenbach's kicked five goals in one game and two in the other three, so 
you know, he might be good. Zach Butters, it's a, you know, it's a funny last name. <laughs> you can make Butters from South Park jokes. He made waves in the first couple of weeks. He, uh, he had a very good start to the, start to the season for sure. Good for him. Uh, yeah, I, I Dersma's yeah. the other one. Dersma looks pretty good as well. It just seemed to have half the teams kick three goals this year. I'm, I'm genuinely wondering if, if the AFL app is actually playing up because everyone's kicked three goals. There you go, Westoff's kicked five. Yeah, I like Ryan Burton. He's not a forward, but he's a very good player. I think they won that trade. Dixon's still out injured, isn't he? Correct, yeah. From that broken ankle he suffered against us when yeah. Gov kicked the winning goal. He might just, I don't know, they might just be preferring Brad Ebert. That's a half forward to Dixon, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, again, I haven't followed Port closely. I can't say either of these things with certainty. All right, well, looking from their forward line across to ours, Miguel, uh, we've talked in our good results about how efficient the forward line has been, and obviously on paper it's terrific. We've talked in the poor results about how, you know, they've had quite a difficult day at work. What are you expecting from the forwards this week, assuming it is going to be quite slick? Yeah, it might be another difficult game for them. There's the possibility that we uh, we go in a bit smaller if um, if Oscar Allen is given a rest. He looked, he he didn't have his best game um, in the derby, uh, and he would be you know, if they wanted to to drop a tall and go in a bit smaller for the wet weather, then he would be the one. I think Liam Ryan had a really good game the previous week against Collingwood. Was pretty quiet in the derby. Didn't really notice him much. He's you know, someone who could also um, star in the wet weather. Uh, Petrocelli had a big first quarter and um, then completely went missing after that. But he had he had um, you know, two really eye-catching breakaway runs from uh, made Nathan Wilson look silly. Uh, that, so that was good in the first quarter. He's another one that could have a um, have an impact in the wet. Don't know how we go running on a wet, heavy ground. Yeah, Kennedy and Darling, you know, you, you know what you're going to get from them. Well, actually, that's not true. You don't really know what you're going to get from Darling from week to week, but um, they will you know, um, attract a quality defender and they will um, uh, fly for every mark and, and put on some good defensive pressure. So um, Tom Jonas, I think, has done some pretty good jobs on Kennedy in the past. Uh, so he might you know he hasn't really found his form yet coming off a very interrupted pre-season. Uh, this may not be the week for him. Um, but, yeah, um, the forward line, I think, has shown that they can make opportunities out of very few uh, forward entries or relatively few forward entries. So hopefully they're given a bit more of a chance, but they might have to um, do that again, depend, you know, depending on whether Lysette and Ryder get on top of our rucks and whether their, uh, their midfield gets on top of our midfield. All right, Oka. You've uh, taken a couple of years off. The pressure's been off. Pressure's on now. Give us a tip. I want you to tell us the exact result and tell us what's going to happen and also who is going to be the best eagle afield. Okay. West Coast are going to win. Uh, 42 points. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Uh, best eagle afield. It's, it's a very good question. I'm going to go Jack Redden. It's not a, not a sexy answer, but I think he'll be best eagle afield. Yeah, Mrs. Redden disagrees. Do you mean Mrs. Redden, his wife, or his mum, or both? Both. He's a good-looking duck, they both think. Uh, they're, also, they're also big fans of Jeremy McGovern, so they think he'll have a big game. All right, well, settle down, Mrs. Redden, because that was my pick for best on. But uh, we'll go to Miguel first. What's your prediction for the result, and who do you think is going to be the best eagle afield? Uh, I'm very tempted to tip against us because every 
tip I've made on this podcast so far has been wrong. Um, but I would have tipped us last week had I been on, and we still won. So I will tip us uh, by 18 points. I think it'll be – might be another fairly unattractive game. Um, but, yeah, we'll uh, – our midfield will hold sway with theirs, and our, our forwards will uh, take advantage of their opportunities. So we'll win by, yeah, three goals. And uh, best of field um, – hmm. uh, actually, I'll say Elliot Yo. Uh, sort of showed a, a bit of a return to form last week, and um, yeah, he'll have another good game um, going head to head with you know, probably Ollie Wines or someone like that. Very good. Uh, for myself, I think the Eagles will win it by about 26 points or so. Uh, despite what we've all just said about how wet and slick it is going to be, I think McGovern is going to have a big day. Uh, last season when we played Port away, he was very quiet all day until he bobbed up at the end, but I think, you know, I think there's a fair chance that he's been a little bit down the last couple of weeks, time to really stamp yourself on, on the game. Nobody's predicting after the siren victory, which is very disappointing. If it does come to that, this time, who do you want with the ball in hands, Miguel? Who do you want taking that game-winning shot? Jesus. Uh... Jesus would be good um, <laughs> if if he's not available. No, no, I think no, he's good Friday. Friday. Yeah, I think he's, he's busy, busy, mate. Oh, yeah. good point. Who do I? Who's our best set shot? Uh, That's one way to approach the question. Another way is yeah. who would it be funniest if they kicked the goal? Yeah. Oh well, funniest I think would probably be Tom Hickey as our replacement for Scott Lysette. Oh yeah, I like it. Oka, what about you? Uh, well, Tom Barras has never kicked a goal, and he is one of my favourite stats. Is the most games no goals on AFL tables, and I believe he's about fifth in the league at the moment in terms of everyone who's not kicked a goal. Where are we? Tom Cole's getting up there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Collar, Jasney, uh, Joe Hamling, Oscar McDonald, Tom Clary, Tom Barras, and then uh, Tom Cole's ninth or eighth, if you like math. I don't. So, Tom Barras? Yeah, Tom Barras would be good. Although, you know, you'd like maybe hold out a little bit longer, get from fifth to top. Uh, so, I'll go Tom Cole. Very good, Tom Cole. I'm going Andrew, or, Andrew or, Gaff for the melts. Oh, you go, yeah? Or Marston. Oh, yeah, that, that would be, be great. Good. You know what? Scrap it. Sorry, Gaff. You'll have to wait a turn. Marston for the melts. So, do we have to now give up a goal to Cleary this week just so Tommy Barras can move up that list? Uh, it's uh, we don't have to. It's a free country, but also Joe Hamling is is he out injured for a while or is he not sure? He got concussed, didn't he? I thought he injured his leg. Yeah, I, I wasn't paying attention. Oh, got a leg concussion, but yes, all right, fine. That was a very meandering way to get to the end of the Port Adelaide segment, but hopefully, yeah, he did, he did get a concussion of the leg. So hopefully, uh, the Eagles get all the four points this week, and really surge up to the ladder. It's at, at three and one, we actually find ourselves with a weird amount of breathing space against some of the better sides that we thought pre-season. So hopefully another good week for the Eagles coming up. That brings us on to the questions segment of the show. We've got a couple of interesting questions this week. I'll start by saying this. Have you both seen the Men in Black films? Only the first one, I think. Uh, I, I've only seen like the most recent one. Okay, so the following question about Men in Black Two is going to be no good. So we'll, no, okay. So you guys are familiar with the neuralizer, the uh, the little device they hold up, oh, yeah. put the sunscreen, yeah. put the you know sunglasses on, and erase your memory. 
Yes. Yes. Great. Very. Miguel, we'll start with you. I've got a, I've got one of those neuralizers. I've also got your personal address. So I come around to your house and I tell you that there is one eagle's memory that you are allowed to have neuralized out of existence. You'll never remember it ever again. What do you pick to erase from your eagle's memory? Uh, probably the 2015 grand final, I think. That was pretty difficult to watch. Um, the other choice would have been the, the 2000 and, uh, 2007 final against Port uh, with Cousins going down. That was a pretty horrible. It was a good game. It was a heartbreaking loss, but, yeah, wouldn't mind that, remembering that. Oka, same question to you. Uh, yeah, it's tough. Like every, you know, 2015 sucked, but I think it made 2018 better. Yep. See, that's that's my point. I was at the 2005 grand final and I was about 50 metres from Leo Barry. And that's, you know, was burned into my brain for 13 years up until Dom Sheik's goal was replaced it. So if I had could have something removed, it'd probably end up being something, you know, really dumb and irrelevant. And I can't think of anything off the cuff. So I've just... Your name has reminded me of something. Um, can we remove the entire 2000 and 2001 seasons and the Oka jumpers? Can we remove Fivey? We did. <laughs> Fivey yeah, no longer exists. Fivey's been gone. He's been neuralised for some time. Uh, yeah, that's not a bad shout either. Just get rid of some horrible design choices in the club's history. That's not bad. Um, Oka, I agree with you. 2015 is the gut instinct, but 2018 is better because of 2015. And also... I would say that the 2015 qualifying final... Is arguably my favourite game I've been to, and the grand final loss does ruin it quite a bit. In the same way that I think last year's prelim would be wouldn't be half as fun if we hadn't won the grand final. True, I think the qualifying final that year was probably better from a football and like oh my god we're a real team like we're we're actually going to do this sort of standpoint. Yeah, but I think the twenty eight I think the prelim was more unique and that it was just a party. You know, it wasn't a football game. It was just a it was just a party. Yeah. Well, there you go. So keep that one in the bank. Uh, for me, it would weirdly be probably something like the 2016 back end of that season. I know we won the game, but when Nick Nat went down right at the end against Hawthorne, uh, I think the previous week he just kicked the game-winning goal as well against the Giants. So that was trending into a bit of a party, and you know we'd, we were looking to make it to the grand final again. Uh, and then the season ended with Nick Nat's knee being blown up. We uh, destroyed Adelaide surprisingly, and then we just ran into the dogs at the wrong time with Mitch Brown in the forward pocket, and I don't want to relive that for a second. What a horrible way to end the year. Yeah, but do you want That's to lose Mitch Brown in the forward pocket? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but do you want to lose the ability to bring that up? I would love if somebody said, do you remember the time Mitch Brown played in the forward pocket? And I could just say no and move on. That would be terrific. Um, all right, Oka, we'll, we'll go to you first on this one. This is a question from Dazzler10. Oh, sorry, thank you to 06 Premiers who asked the previous question. Uh, Dazzler10 asked us uh, what our take on the rule changes has been and also is Hocking in any sort of trouble, given that there is sort of a growing backlash against the AFL. It seems to be more prevalent than ever. What's your take on the rule changes and uh, do you think there's actually any sort of grief to come out of all of this backlash? So one of my favourite things to do at the football was sit there and watch the players kick out because I reckon like 25% of the time they went outside the square. And I don't think anyone else ever noticed this outside of me. And I'm really annoyed that I can't do that anymore because it's my favourite thing to bring up when you watch with someone and then they'd notice it and they'd be like, oh, yeah, they do. They do. That's a good point. And now I can't do that. Um, so I hate them for that reason. The I was never a fan of 666. We've had many discussions about this over the past year, Badge. I was a fan of three players at every stoppage. 
which is a lot harder to, to, you know, adjudicate. But I think that would have made a difference in a way 666 hasn't. Carol's clearly haven't worked. I don't know if you can point out the rule changes, though, and say they haven't worked just because scoring's down. Um, and also it's four rounds in, yeah. I think it's an interesting point to come back to at the end of the year. I think there has been hasn't been that much done with the kickouts yet, which is surprising. We've seen we've to had, do a bit, but I don't. I haven't. Yeah, but even then, what have we done? Like two or three funky ones. Mm, we've got a couple where we we tried one at the weekend for Jack Darling, who dropped the mark. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if that was planned. I think there was just nothing on, and Darling was leading up the middle. I'm not sure that was a set play rather than just. You have to do something when kicking out. There's quite a few by Jeddah in the GWS game. There yeah. seemed to be, yeah, seemed to be five or six. Yeah, there wasn't many on the weekend, which was surprising given how many opportunities um, Hearn was given by the Dockers forwards. Um, I like, I like being able to take it out of the rough. That's a good rule change, I think. Yeah, Hickey seems to be pretty keen. He had a couple at the weekend as well. And he had, he had one where it was the right time to do it. He took it out and he tried to clear it and he kicked it about five metres to a freer bloke. Well, he gave it his bloody best. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's true. As a lefty, kicking on the right foot's hard. Sure thing. Uh, Miguel, your thoughts after we've seen a month of the new rule-changed footy? And uh, do you actually think there's any chance of the AFL making any changes at the top, no matter what the backlash is? Uh, no, I think short answer to that. Um, I think we've seen in fairly recent history with the AFL that you, you know, you're pretty much untouchable once you get up to that level, uh, unless you sleep with a married co-worker. Um, <clears throat> okay, very good. Actually, no, I don't know if she was married, but he was married anyway. Allegedly. Um, but allegedly, uh, yes. Uh, but no, for actual performance um, of your of your job, you seem to be pretty on top to get to that level. Uh, six six. Actually, apart from six six six, the other rule changes I think have been reasonably successful. Six six six. I was never a fan of. Um, I don't see how it solves the problem. It just seems to create additional issues and. You, know, you see these, it holds the game up because you see these, you know, stupid um, umpires stopping to count how many players are where and issue a warning and, yeah, and doesn't seem to actually solve any of the congestion issues around the ground. Other than, yeah, other than that, the, the kicking rule I like, taking it out of the ruck I like, um, they've changed the interpretation of in the back, which, um, hands in the back, which I think's been for the good. So probably as a whole, the rule changes haven't been too bad. Um, but I don't I think, think the, Hocking would be in any trouble in any event. I think the one disaster has been the 50-metre rule. You can tell what they were trying to do by allowing the player to play on at any point, but it's just turned into a into a sprint. Yeah, that's true. It's, yeah, it's not working, and it's, um, it's, it's difficult to run. There's very rarely a point where taking 20 of your 50 metres and then playing on is more beneficial than just taking the 50 metres either, so it is just started to become, yeah, a big sprint towards the end. Hmm. There, that was a dog. But it is funny to watch. It's always very funny to watch, especially key defenders just trying to book it down the field after giving a free kick or a 50 away. I think players now have just figured out, you know, you just... Get out of the way and let someone else do it. Mm. Yeah. I think, Stuart, you described it best. It's like when you're at first slip and it kind of goes through. Just kind of put your hand up and point to fine leg. Not fine <laughs> leg, third man. That's a cricket joke, badge. Yeah, you're going to need to explain that one to me off air. Um, but... Okay. That is all the time we've got for this week, and it's it's been a it's been an interesting one with you back, Oka. I'm not going to lie; that's probably fallen off the rails a little bit, but it's been enjoyable. So thanks very much for coming back on. 
Yeah, I mean, you did beg me to come on, so that's not, yeah. Yes, that's right. My, uh, hey, do you want to go on the podcast text was pretty persuasive. Miguel, thank you for coming on as always. Uh, always very mature and high end of you to come on. Thank you. No worries. So I'm a bit disappointed that you didn't beg me to come on. Maybe I'll ask for that next time. It would be a first. That's all right. Always dependable, Miguel. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Can you talk about Badge before we go that Fiery has is not a Rick and Morty fan? <laughs> yeah, that's probably another one for the off-air, but go on, Miguel. Any any closing statements to back up on that? I think these are, these are the best. I didn't, didn't say I'm not a fan. I just haven't got into it yet. I'm sure I'll give it a go at some point. <laughs> You're not Rick and Morty, just a fan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Uh, okay, on that, I think we will wrap this one up. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, as always, if you've got any questions, please let us know in the thread and uh, we'll try and get to them next week. All the best for the also, Eagles for round five. Yes, Oka. Also, Daenerys died. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, that's that's not true, by the way, just before I get hate mail. No, it was Tyrion, wasn't it? I have no idea what happened. I am six seasons behind and the movie. Very good. All right, guys, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks for listening, and all the best. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.